0: ladies and gentlemen people of the internet welcome back to yet another episode of crypto over coffee i hope you're doing well today and if you're new here every saturday we break down the latest news and the hottest topics in the world of technology and cryptocurrency over a cup of delicious coffee now that being said in today's episode we've got a crypto market update we've got cardano we've got elron we've got icon our usual 404 logic not found segment and more so make sure you stick around for all of those updates Now, as always, let's kick it off with questions from you, the folks who awesomely support my Crypto Over Coffee series, so thank you for doing that. If you want one of your questions answered, leave them in the comments down below or tweet me at Hishoshi4. And if you would be so inclined, please do subscribe to the channel, hit the bell notification button, or follow the podcast on your platform of choice so you get a heads up whenever I post new episodes of Crypto Over Coffee. And finally... If you are a Cardano ADA holder, please do consider delegating to my new stake pool with the ticker symbol H4SH. Pool information will be in the description down below. Thank you in advance for that. So let's go ahead and dive into the first question, which is from Paul Zozum: Do smaller ADA staking pools such as mine tend to deliver less rewards, if not, why not? In terms of pool rewards from a stake pool on Cardano, there are a few factors at play. But at a high level, you should expect about the same average rate of return over time. So over a long time, 5 or 6% APY, regardless of what pool you select, as long as it doesn't become oversaturated. Now, small pools, like pools with, say, under 5 to 6 million ADA delegated, will have the propensity to have much higher returns per epoch based on block-making performance. So when the small pool gets lucky and mints a block or two in a given epoch, the return might be higher in the 10s or 20s percents. Now, an epoch is just a timescale to determine rounds of consensus, and in each epoch there are slots, which are just block-making assignments of slot leaders or pools that will make blocks. Pools are assigned to these slots based on delegation and some randomness and other factors that let small pools compete with the big boys that have more delegation in terms of making blocks the trick is the small pool relies on the slot lottery luck that is to mint blocks in an epoch so the small pool might have a few epochs where they mint no blocks and rewards are moot and then they might have one epoch that's really great and brings in a huge yield compared to the others the result is that sometimes small pools can deliver excellent returns in a good run of luck but Over time, big and small pools that are under the saturation point will give similar average returns, so average over time. Small pools will just be less consistent from epoch to epoch, where some might have low rewards and others will have big ones that make up for those low reward epochs. The big thing that you need to know is if you want to avoid bad rewards, just avoid pools that are oversaturated, which is right now ones with more than 64 million ADA delegated those are going to reward less than unsaturated pools. This is to keep the network from centralizing around certain big pools. In an effort to reduce the centralizing force, that saturation point will go down to 32 million ADA later this year, so keep an eye on that. The way this protocol is designed is to make sure big pools don't dominate and small pools can actually grow. So you might get better short-term gains from small pools, but over time, it evens out. So hopefully that answers your question, and thank you in advance for asking. Now, the second question of the day is from Crypto0634. Why is it so difficult for U.S. crypto investors to more easily find popular coins like Kusama, Solana, etc.? Are there regulatory issues with these projects that make exchanges in the U.S. avoid them? So I think regulation does play a factor, right? These are very speculative coins. Some of them early on were very new. They might also be from other countries. So there is some trepidation from exchanges to, to to list these. However, exchanges like Kraken, that have a pretty wide global footprint and the ability to use them in the US, have most of these coins that you listed here, right? Kusama Polkadot, for example, are on Kraken. Solana, off the top of my head, I can't really think of the place that you can get Solana in the US very easily, but I know there is there are a few, I might just be missing them. You might even be able to get it on Kraken. But I think that ultimately the reasoning is because over time, these different exchanges also have to implement art, like architecture and infrastructure to actually use these cryptocurrencies. Because they have to set up nodes on those networks. They have to understand how they work. If they want to do staking, they have to understand how validation works and how staking works. There's a lot of technical infrastructure that has to be built to support cryptocurrencies, including the custody part, because they need to have wallets that are compatible with these networks. And so Solana, Kusama, Polkadot, all these networks are are built differently. And so of course, the infrastructure they have for Ethereum and Bitcoin, for example, might not be able to be reused as much. So there's a lot of effort involved in doing that. Uh, of course, there are other exchanges around the world that list these things more readily. And of course, that's where you start to get into the regulation, you start to get into the, you know, the concern about you know, is it gonna be called a security? Are we gonna get in trouble? That sort of thing. But there is really no rhyme or reason. And I think you're starting to be able to find these coins better in the US, especially on exchanges like Kraken. And to be honest with you, everyone hates them, but Coinbase has off, you know, is offering a ton of coins now. Uh, And so if you're looking for a certain coin, you might find it on Coinbase now. And folks, that is going to do it for the questions today. I know we only picked two, but last episode was super long. I've got a lot to talk about today. So we're going to go ahead and dive right into it. Now, just a friendly reminder please be aware of scammers that are in the comments posing as me and other crypto YouTubers. I do not have a WhatsApp. I will not ask you to contact me and I will not say weird stuff to you with weird punctuation. So if the comment does not have the name highlighted like you see on the screen, it isn't me and you can report them. So please be safe out there. There's tons of scams on email, on YouTube, etc. All right, folks, let's kick it off with a crypto market update. Now, this week seems like Groundhog Day because just weeks prior, like we've had in weeks prior, we've been met with mostly sideways price action, despite Nice pushes up to the low 40Ks for Bitcoin. But unfortunately, we have succumbed to bearish selling pressure at the end of the week, basically like always. It's really no secret that weekends suck in crypto, if you haven't noticed. Now, all the chatter online about the Bitcoin death cross that indicates another big monster sell-off, and we're we're, we're seeing that all over the place. But let's be real. People have been saying that for weeks, right? Could it happen? Yeah. Yeah. Is it guaranteed that it will happen because some people that are reading a chart say so? No. The altcoin world has also been largely held down by Bitcoin's price action, with some exceptions like Matic or ADA that have done pretty well, but even those seem to be losing steam in the bullish price movement department. Right now, I'm in full-on coasting mode, right? I'm sticking to my dollar-cost averaging approach, and I'm not fixating on the prices. And candidly, this week I've been so busy, I checked the prices twice. Once... Today and once on Tuesday. So don't dwell on where we are now in the present. Make a plan and execute it over time. You'll feel better. You'll sleep better. And you won't find yourself stressing as much about the micro when you're planning for the macro. Things look like a bummer right now, and there's a lot of just really negative talk online, but it won't always be that way. The roller coaster ride thing isn't healthy. So if you read Twitter, crypto media, or watch YouTube, it's always death cross one day, and then all systems go for a bull run the next day, and back and forth and back and forth. It's just better not to play that game at all. And that's just not the game that I like to play in general. So in the world of Cardano, more... Progress continues to be made on the testnet versions of the Alonzo hard fork codebase. This Alonzo upgrade will bring fully functional smart contracts to the multi asset ledger Cardano mainnet, and that involves wholesale updates to large swaths of the project. This past week, the second version of the closed testnet, Alonzo Blue phase, which is like this closed testnet, went live with a group of stake pool operators and pioneers who are testing the command line interface, smart contract execution transactions, and interacting with this new functionality live so they can learn and test and and help make updates. The learnings from this phase will inform upgrades that need to be made for the open testnet, which will be available for everyone probably in a month and a half or so. What this ultimately means for you if you're holding ADA is that you're going to soon have testnet versions of DeFi dApps or NFT dApps and more to play with, and of course then a full ecosystem of dApps to use when things go fully live on mainnet as well, which is looking like the August timeframe. This is one of the most exciting times for the dedicated and patient Cardano community, so I'm stoked for everyone that the time is now here to see this ecosystem come to life on mainnet the foundations of cardano have been built with the proof of state consensus mechanism composed of community stake pools making blocks and an extended unspent transaction output ledger on which nfts and fungible tokens can be created natively as if they are ada smart contracts will only allow these core features to live up to their full potential And one last shameless plug here, my new stake pool H4SH just minted its first block this past epoch and it is well on its way to becoming a consistent block maker. If you want to earn rewards from a smaller pool like mine and help me achieve that goal of being a consistent block maker, please consider delegating to my pool with the ticker symbol H4SH or the pool ID which is down below in the description and the pinned comment. Thank you for that in advance. And of course, if you have suggestions about how I can improve my pool or improve my community engagement, please do let me know. Fans of the Elrond network are having a pretty good week as well with some cool updates that came to the forefront this week. First of all, everyone's favorite store of value, Bitcoin, was just made available as an asset for purchase and storage on the Myr Wallet mobile app. Now, I've said before. MyR is one of, if not the best, wallet apps that I've ever used for any blockchain anywhere. And having access to Bitcoin in that wallet is a fantastic thing. It makes me think that Bitcoin is going to play a part in the upcoming MyR Exchange decentralized exchange launch. Maybe there will be Bitcoin-backed stablecoin offerings. Maybe you can earn yield on Bitcoin in the app when this goes live. We'll just have to wait and see on that. Now in regard to that MyR exchange and the launch of the MEX governance token, that is also coming soon. The project founder, Benjamin Minku dropped an update recently on Twitter that testing for the V1 version of this decentralized exchange has kicked off, and we are nearing the time of launch. Of course, good software takes time, particularly in DeFi, so the wait will be worth it in my opinion, despite the delays. However, you're going to get a chance to use it really, really soon because next week, the public testnet version launches along with a battle of yields competition, which challenges you to earn the highest yield on your assets in testnet. So, yes, folks, MyR Exchange is coming to you to use on testnet in the next week. So it's going to be a pretty fun week to say the least. Now, as you know, I've been following the interoperability blockchain network ICON for a while now. I've made videos about it for years, and they have been building quite a lot of cool stuff lately, and the latest such development is an EVM or Ethereum virtual machine compatible blockchain in that interoperable network called ICE. or ICE. This ICE blockchain will have the ability to, of course, run Ethereum dApps by way of Ethereum compatible smart contracts, probably written in Solidity, and will work with Ethereum tooling like Metamask, for example. For any interoperability project, the ability to accommodate Ethereum projects is critical, as Ethereum is still the undisputed leader in the dApp space. No one can deny that. Using their BTP protocol, the Icon BTP protocol, which allows for cross-chain communications, Icon is looking to position itself as a platform for Ethereum to bridge to the Icon world and all of its projects therein. Furthermore, this ICE chain will have support for the WebAssembly execution environment that Ethereum 2.0 will eventually depend on, which means that ICE will be ready for those future dApps when they first launch. So this is smart. Coffee break. yeah i'm really excited to test this stuff out and by the way whenever i feature icon in crypto over coffee my pals at icon plus donate to charities to give back and this time around they're donating to a cause really close to my heart earlier this year my wife lost her best friend to addiction and this person was really special to both of us Uh, obviously heartbreaking to you know suffer from the disease that is addiction in her honor my wife created a foundation called the albertus project to benefit those struggling with addiction and their families and friends the mission is to educate the public about the disease and to destigmatize addiction, but further to provide support to those who are suffering. If you can, please follow the social media and uh, website links that are down below. And if you have a few bucks to spare, consider donating to the cause. There's, of course, no pressure to donate financially, but any support you can lend is super appreciated social media, website, or otherwise. So thank you for listening. Now I want to pause really quickly here and just give a quick Big thank you and shout out to the sponsor of Crypto Over Coffee, Ledin. Ledin is a one-stop shop for holders of Bitcoin to earn yield on that Bitcoin and access a plethora of awesome features to grow their Bitcoin stack. You can earn 6.1% interest on Bitcoin and 11% interest on USDC stablecoins. And there are even more features sort of underneath the fold that help you build your Bitcoin portfolio on the platform that you just have to try out. Ledin is available in a plethora of regions, so it's likely available where you are. And if you haven't yet, please do try Ledin or at least check them out. I will leave my referral link down below in the description and the pinned comment if you would like to check it out. So thank you for that and thanks to Ledin for keeping the lights on for crypto over coffee. Next up is today's game of fact or FUD, where I take a piece of no good, very bad news and tell you whether it is fact or simply fear, uncertainty and doubt. Today, I have no choice but to address the Chinese Bitcoin mining stories because they just keep coming and I keep getting asked about it like very, very often. So here goes. Basically, for context, rumors have swirled around about China just outright banning Bitcoin mining in the country, which, of course, has spurred fear that Bitcoin dies without Chinese mining. In reality, it appears that based on action taken to date by the Chinese government that they are shutting down mining farms that use coal heavily or are in specific areas of the country and not just blanket banning everyone. However, even then, people are afraid of the dropping hash rate and the reduction of the price floor for Bitcoin that that is usually defined by that production or issuance cost of mining Bitcoin. If it doesn't cost a lot to mine Bitcoin, what does that do to the price? If that price of production goes too low, people fear that Bitcoin price loses support. However, I'd like to present an alternative view. First of all, we've been talking about centralization in China for a while now, with mining concentration well over 50% for years. It's a major criticism that people have been making. Recently, that domination of mining in China has been waning, which also opens up economic possibility of North American and South American mining to start contributing more. Even better, these mining rigs in the Americas can be powered with renewable energy sources. So we have better distributed mining, less concentration, and more renewables for mining. That's a good thing, not a bad thing, right? Now, secondly, consider the fact that every single article you read on China mining crackdowns are negative in connotation. It's almost like there's an agenda or A lack of understanding about how this will actually play out. Bitcoin is not a protocol that is static. It is dynamic. And as hash rate drops, so does the difficulty of mining. As mining economics change, new parties can start to mine. China not dominating mining is actually a good thing. So this is FUD, folks. Nothing but FUD. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for 404 Logic Not Found. And for those of you who are as of yet uninitiated in this little firecracker of a segment, I highlight notable tech-related fails or otherwise stupid moves in the world that need to get some attention. And speaking of attention, if you want to help this episode of Crypto Over Coffee get some attention from the algorithm robots, if you're watching still now, that helps because it's good watch time. But if you can, please hit that like button, get subscribed, or follow the podcast because it tells those robots that you're enjoying the content and others might also enjoy it so thank you for that in advance and a coffee break getting close to finishing you will be pleased to know that i'm working on a brand new show on the channel that is a standalone revamped version of 404 logic not found but don't worry you will still get a weekly fix on crypto over coffee this segment is not going anywhere now to the business at hand which is the human tendency to put all their eggs in the billionaire basket Metaphors and alliterations aside, people who tend to follow billionaires blindly when investing and take what billionaires say super seriously as if they don't make mistakes or they just know what they're talking about all the time, that's that's a problem. I mean, Elon Musk, a dude with two legs, two arms, ten fingers and ten toes, has been able to swing the crypto markets with his more or less half-baked takes on Bitcoin. People really care what he has to say. And it's almost like... If Elon, one of the most richest people on earth, says something, it must be true. The same goes for Mark Cuban, who has arguably had better overall takes on crypto and seems to be starting to get it, but he's led people astray inadvertently. For example, this recent iron finance rug pull that saw the price drop a full 100% in a very small timescale proves perfectly that Mark Cuban, with his entire research team and infinite wisdom and resources, gets hit by bad DeFi choices just like anyone else. However, because of his celebrity status and billionaire profile, people undoubtedly mobbed into Iron Finance without really reading or doing research because they read Mark Cuban's blog about he was bullish on the project. And then when everything came apart, these people who jumped into the project because of that could have lost every cent they put in if their timing wasn't right. This isn't de- like designed to say Mark Cuban is responsible for this. Everyone made their own choice. He made a mistake. That's human. But therein lies the problem. People forget that these billionaires are human beings with the same cognitive biases and flaws as everyone else. They put their pants on one leg at a time like everyone else. And they can get rugged by a billion-dollar DeFi experiment just like everyone else regardless of how much research they do. They just don't know what they don't know. So as a person in crypto, please... Remember this. When you start to feel the pressure, the urge, or the FOMO to follow what these millionaire celebrities say, negative or positive, they have money to lose. If Mark Cuban lost $2 million or $100 million, it's going to hurt, but he's going to be fine. If you lose your life savings or if I lost my life savings... We probably won't be okay. So if you lost money on iron finance, the titan coin, then I am very sorry, right? I, I hate that people get hurt like this. And I hope that you can recover in the market. The point that I'm trying to make here is that it's easy to fall into the fallacy that billionaires got where they are because they know something you don't or because they don't make mistakes. But the truth is, is that they just know how to make mistakes and recover. They know how to mitigate their risks. They know what they can afford to lose you might see nothing but their wins, but they lose a lot too. Don't get stuck copying their failures. As a whole, the crypto market needs to decouple from billionaire celebrities and extricate the success of crypto from adoption from these people. Remember, letting your outlook on crypto or all-in investment decisions be dictated by billionaires is not a strategy. It is a 404 logic not found. And with that, folks, we are going to call it a day for Crypto Over Coffee right there. I'm very close to finishing my coffee. I could chug it now, but what's the point? I've had plenty of caffeine. Thank you so much for watching this episode and every other episode of Crypto Over Coffee that you've had the chance to check out. And if, if you have some time to stick around, please do check out this video that I'm linking here on the screen. It's about I Trust Capital, my go-to crypto IRA, which gives US investors a really interesting tax advantage place to invest in cryptocurrency where you aren't going to accrue those capital gains and losses as you trade because it is in the context of pre-tax money if you structure things right. Check out the video. It's a great starting place and then seek help from a tax professional or accounting professional to get you on board with the right setup. Thank you so much. I hope you have a fantastic week and weekend ahead. And until next time, cheers.